This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. Today's guest is someone that I have wanted to get on the podcast for so long. Emily Clarkson, best known as M Clarkson on Instagram, is an influencer, podcaster, presenter, author, and columnist, best known for sharing the highs and lows of being a woman in the current climate. Em, I tried to sum up what you did and I was like, I'm just going to have to bring it down to one sentence because there's so much that you do. I was like, if I just simplify it and say that, we can expand. But anyway, how are you doing today, my love? I'm good. I hate saying what I do. It's literally like if I die and go to hell, I think the thing that would be waiting for me is just a whole lot of people wanting to know what I do and I have to explain it. And they're like, maybe they're middle-aged men without Instagram and I've just got to try and sum it up and, and they will hate me. That's that's my idea of hell. I wish I was more confident with saying what I do. And when I, like, I've had it recently, we've gone to a few weddings where I've sat down and I've like gone to the person next to me. They're like, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like, um, I... I I I work in social media. <laughs> it's so awkward. Job. You're gonna laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. So listen, I first came across you. I think it was probably about. I was trying to think about five years ago, and it was really a time when, like, I was trying to diversify my feed and follow people that really made me smile rather than made me feel shit about myself. And I know that, and I remember it so vividly. I remember from the moment I followed you, I was like, I love this girl. Like, I love everything about her. She seems so cool. And you really are like such a joy to engage with online. And I think for me, I'd I'd really love, and I always, you know, as someone who's doing the same thing, I always love hearing how someone starts sharing their life online because it's something that can be a bit weird, especially, you know, like back back in the days when I started that no one did it. So I'd always love to hear that story of kind of how you got the confidence to start sharing your experiences and your life online. Oh my God. I, were, <laughs> I Honestly, it's so weird. Sometimes when I look back at like how I used to be, I'm like, oh my God, like, who is she? Because um, I don't, this definitely like wasn't intentional. Because like you say, you know, I saw in the news this week that now the influencing is like a degree and you can study it and stuff and obviously like it is an aspirational thing and actually I think all power to it I really love seeing the industry flourish because I just think it's so cool seeing so many like 
women basically becoming successful but obviously like you say it wasn't really anything when we started or it certainly there wasn't really a blueprint for success and I think I started like I've always been very passionate in my I guess opinions and it's really weird like I feel very like conflicted about how how I feel and how I speak about when I say like oh, I'm, I'm very opinionated or like I I have a lot of opinions because I just think it's I don't know, it feels very invalidating and it feels a bit silly to say, but I think I, a few years ago, maybe 2015, well, I, I left school in 2012, and I think it was quite a, an interesting time culturally. I think it was just like the beginning of the me to shift. I think body positivity, like you say, was kind of growing, but also having a lot of pushback. And I didn't really know what I was doing with my life, but I remember just being outraged regularly seeing the way that the news was changing and seeing the way that like the magazines that we'd grown up with were kind of online now and it just felt very 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 present and very toxic so I started blogging (laughs) which is even more embarrassing than saying that you were an Instagrammer because like it's literally like having a diary that everyone could read um but I started blogging and and I to be honest I wanted to be a journalist and that was my big like aspiration and I was just really hustling to make that happen but people you know it's a very oversaturated market what does like the what does the world need not another opinionated young woman to like sell their sell their perspective to an online publication so I think that was like how I was trying to get into it and I was writing a lot and I actually just realized that when you're writing for your when you're writing for other people the he, the the way that the British media is at the moment is so coconuts and the headlines get so twisted and everything's so polarizing and it's just terrifying it's just absolutely terrifying and I really didn't like I didn't thrive there and I realized that if I had my own space I could have the conversations in a way that I wanted to have them and I could control a lot more of it and no one was going to make the headline all sensational and I could just, you know, find my people and I did. So it started with writing and then I realised that writing is a dying art and you need to get with it and you need to make reels and shit. So I started doing it more on Instagram and I just tried to have more fun with it. And when I found my people, I was like, oh my God, I love my people. I never want to lose my people. So yeah, it was it was kind of coming into it, I guess, from the, the more journalistic side, um, which I'm grateful for for in lots of ways but yeah and now it's now it's what it is now it's mostly on Instagram I love that and the thing is I love that you started with the writing because I know that for me like I actually am really struggling with this new shift of social media that everything is video based because I'm someone that really Mm. not like I love writing I love text I love talking conversing like those are the ways that I best engage and I love a long caption and I love I love like a a real run and I think that sometimes when we try and distill things down into video form it can actually be really hard to engage people and the way that we consume content now has changed so much if we look at you know the attention span of an individual when they're on social media if you don't grab them within the first few seconds up you're onto the next piece of content and it's like a constant feed of stuff and I think that that's really interesting to hear that you came into it more from the the writing side the journalistic side um and you've really had to shift how you engage your audience um yeah that's really interesting and I guess on that, you know, like, did your content change? So when you first started writing, what were you talking about? Because I I didn't follow you from the very beginning. So I'm interested, like, what was your kind of original 
subject matter that you enjoyed speaking about and 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 how has that changed because I know now there's such a lovely focus with you on things like body image confidence sharing your opinions which I love and I love that you're an opinionated woman I mean I think you should absolutely own that um but what was kind of the original stuff that that uh that got you in it's really interesting looking back because I don't and you and I talked about this on our podcast on the podcast I host about kind of when you start off and the person that you were versus the person that you are now and whilst my whilst I'm fundamentally the same my opinions on a lot of stuff has changed but particularly at the beginning I was talking a lot about body image but more pointedly I guess like the cultural attitude which is now something that we talk about a lot um and the unrealistic expectations I guess filters were kind of new-ish um but it was kind of I remember one of the first things I wrote about kind of like coming out swinging was um Katie Hopkins had done it was it was during her like big era on all the ITV shows and she'd just come and like say horrible things and everyone on Twitter would get angry and I'd just be one of those people on Twitter getting angry and it was it was an interesting time because we sort of had like plus size women on magazine covers and that sort of thing for the first time and so a lot of it was body related and I think I used it to heal a lot of my own shit around. So I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I'm doing it. Sorry. Um, I used a lot. I, I used that as a means of healing my own stuff, definitely. And kind of getting out the anger that I had for a really long time, like culturally. I think you accept it. We accepted Heat Magazine's Hoop of Horror. And we accepted that Britney Spears was fat at the VMAs. And we like we accepted all of this shit because it's what they told us to. And it was like the first time that I was like, wait a second, this is all wrong. And I'm allowed to say it. And I'm allowed to be angry about it. And actually, I'm allowed to advocate for change. So it did start with body image. And actually, it's something that like I still feel really passionately about now. And I still really, really want to share in the hope that it does make other people feel better and that they're allowed that they're they're able maybe now to shift their perspective in the same way that I did then but I don't want it to be because the body positivity body confidence body acceptance body neutrality all of that you know it's been a huge movement and it's evolved and changed a lot over the last 10 years and and you know a lot of us have had to question like our place in it and and what's what we should be doing and that sort of thing so yeah I I still want to keep it as one of the the big things that I can help with people online if I can, because that was why it started. And I can't tell you how much I've needed what I do to heal my own stuff. Like it's because of Instagram, it's because of my job that I am now totally fine with how I look because I wasn't when I started. So yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And let's go into that because I think that I'm, you know, I feel like a, a very similar journey has been, you know, m- my course. I absolutely agree with you that Instagram can be such a healing place. Like I completely resonate with the fact that my community has genuinely like step by step helped me to recover from being in a really disordered place. And I'd love to hear about your kind of beginning, middle and end, I guess. Not that there's ever an end to this this lovely journey that is body acceptance. It's an ever-evolving thing. But, you know, particularly the beginning and the middle, like, you know, when you first started to, I guess, you know, when I think back to me being at school, I remember being as young as kind of 12 and being in the canteen and people being like, you shouldn't get a dessert because, you know, like dessert makes you fat and actually you should just have um, soup for lunch. And like just even those kind of insidious thoughts that start to come in at such a young age and we're conscious of them. And, and, and as you related it to the media as well, these ideas of, you know, the 
before and after photos, the celebrity DVDs, the everyone's better when they're thinner idea. You know, we we grew up in that era. So I would love to hear about how it affected you. What was the result of that? And I guess what led you to to have that moment where you started to go, hang on a second, I'm going to question this shit. Like this is not okay. And and I'm actually angry. I love the word that you, I, that you use. You're angry at the fact that that's that, that was our reality growing up. I think that's it. And like to start at the middle, and I guess the end for me, like I do feel like I am at the end of the healing because I'm so angry and I don't want to waste any more time. I don't think you can ever disassociate or untangle the correlation between our body image and feminism. Like I think that's been the most important thing for me because I can look now at this cultural phenomenon of making women feel that they were fat and realize that realized that it was a money-making agenda. Not only that, but it also kept women small. It kept us busy. It kept us in competition with each other. It kept us distracted. Like I think when you look at the fundamental like roots of this industry, it's impossible to still revere it in the same way that we did. Because I was like, I can't tell you, Alice, like I could cry for little me. And like, I've just had a daughter and I swear to God, it's like my life's mission to make sure she doesn't doesn't feel how I felt because I was like oh my god I do like a thousand sit-ups before I went to bed every night because I'd be like that'll give me a six pack a thousand just like I should have been asleep like I I would only go on the cross trainer for because I knew how many calories were in a packet of Maltesers like I everything was so uh, transactional and I only ate if I knew I could burn it off and I'd only burn it off because I thought even that language I hate but I just I had such a horrible time with it and I would lie in bed at night and I would genuinely so sad like I would wish like I would make my wish I would like plead and beg with the universe that when I woke up I'd be thin like it's so fucked up and I would grab like I would hurt myself grabbing like my fat <laughs> and being like I hate you I hate you I hate you I'm it's so toxic and it's so sad. And I feel so sad for myself because it kept me in a version of myself that was just not good. It didn't make me nice because it, I didn't look at anybody else with, because I didn't have any happiness in myself. I couldn't look at anybody else and be happy. And that makes me so sad. You know, even my amazing, brilliant friends, I've resented them because they were thinner than me and they could eat more than me. And they could, and it was just, it's so all encompassing. And I don't think you realize how much of your life is dictated to you by how you look and like how you feel about how you look and and self-worth is it's just not taught and it's actually stripped from us at such a young age and that does make me angry and so now I'm like no no I'm not fucking doing this anymore it's so annoying I've done this and it hurt it hurt me and it hurt the people around me and I don't want that anymore I don't want that for me I don't want that for my relationships I don't want that for my kid like I want better so I'm gonna get better and so I guess that was the middle was just unpicking this. And I think this is something I say to a lot of people, like advice wise, if you're feeling that you need to do something, like you need to lose weight or you need to whatever, just push, push that thought back. Ask why at every single level. And it's like, oh, I need to be smaller. Why do I need to be smaller? Well, I think people find me more attractive when I'm smaller. Why do you think that? Oh, well, because the media told me that and then why did the media take well it did sell them a lot of copies and I guess they were probably being sponsored by Weight Watchers and Weight Watchers needed more people so they need me to think I'm the smallest so yeah so they wanted to make money okay so why did they want to make money oh well because the men at the top 
kind of wanted to be rich and they didn't really care how they got there. And then all of a sudden, when you've got all the way back, you've done all of your whys, you think, yeah, that's not really a good enough why. Like, that's not a reason for me not to have a donut, so I'm just going to have it. And then you're free. So, like... Yeah, I guess anger, anger pushed most of it. I think that that's, um, it's really interesting that you said, and, 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 you know, I completely related to all of that, by the way, especially the amount of energy consumed with wishing yourself smaller. And, and, and particularly this, this idea that's completely sold to us that everything's better if we're smaller, life is easier, thin privilege, yada, 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 you know, it all comes when you are, you know, occupying a smaller body and, and that kind of merry-go-round that you dance around constantly of, restriction been well for me anyway it definitely involved binging um because of the over restriction and it was just a horrible cycle to to be on um but i am really interested and i and i i'd love to hear your thoughts on this of this idea that you are at an end because i you know i've tried really like i've done so much work and so much of me has like really tried to go inwards and work to be better, happier. And I can 100% say that I am, but I think that I am also a realist in the sense that there are still moments of, I would say most weeks maybe where I have this fleeting thought of, oh, this would be better if I was smaller or I don't feel comfortable. Mostly I don't feel comfortable in my Mm. body. My clothes might feel tight. I might try on a dress that I haven't worn in a while and it feels tight or, you know, and I, I'm at the point where I I don't track my food. I don't, I don't do any of that. So sometimes my weight just naturally fluctuates. You know, I've just got back from an amazing trip in New York and ate whatever I wanted and, you know, like had an amazing time, but sort of came back and put on a pair of jeans yesterday. I was like, oh, these are really tight. Um, and I think that I'm just interested mm. with this idea of like there being an end and and giving, giving I guess, a bit of context, the fact that like, does that mean that you still don't have these same challenges? Are there, st- do you still not have moments where like that kind of thought process comes through or are you just kind of able to squash it really quickly? Yeah, like I think I definitely, because I've just had a baby and like that is a massive shift in like how you look. So I guess it's not really at an end where I'm like, I'm a hundred percent fine with my body every single minute of every single day. And I have like reached, I like, I've got the golden snitch and like, congratulations me. Like it's over. It, I guess it's not that it's more. And I, this is just for me. Um, but I think I feel quite empowered in saying that that chapter of, of everything is closed. And it's not to say it won't reopen, but I think, yeah, like it's, I think we all have so much shit to heal from. And I think, again, having a baby, looking at this, like just from where I'm at right now, it is a bit of a shock because like this is the one thing that's been crazy for me is like looking and you can't, I don't compare myself to anybody really, but it's been really hard postpartum wise not to because there are some people that just bounce back or look incredible. And and I do find myself on quite an interesting um quite an interesting cycle looking at people's timelines but I guess what I mean with it saying it's at an end because I am still having these thoughts which I guess aren't very positive but I really catch myself quickly because I still have the thought like I still have the like shit she looks amazing oh my god no she's only she had a baby after me and look how good she looks or blah 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 and it's like yeah but like this is my body and my baby and I'm doing the best with both like and this is where I am and 
my coach, my my life coach, who completely changed my life. She like I paraphrase, and she always gets annoyed with me because she's like, I wouldn't have said it like this, but she always says, if you put your own shit on the table, if everybody puts their shit on the table, you pick up yours. Like you would just pick up yours because everybody else's is too complicated and too difficult, and you just wouldn't be able to handle it. You can handle it yourself, and that's probably it. You know, everybody else's stuff is just you wouldn't know where to start. And I I really think of that whenever I catch myself looking at anybody else postpartum because I'm just like no I, I don't know your baby like I can handle my body I can handle my baby because it's what I know I can't handle yours so that's I have to really keep hold of that when I'm comparing myself postpartum wise and so no I guess it's not uh, the journey's not over in that I, maybe I haven't reached the finish line and I can just sit down and never have to move again and because I am having this and I'm probably you know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good in myself now I have my baby eight months ago I'm a lot heavier I'm wider I'm slower. I looked it. I do look different, but I'm actually totally fine with that because my like a bomb blew up in my living room, and like I've got to just you know work around that. So, so I'm I'm okay with it because I'm I'm trying to be you know remember context, and I think context is really important, and it's often lacking when we when we start this comparing ourselves. We don't look at anybody else's context, and we don't look at our own because we're not kind to ourselves because no one's ever taught us how to be. But yeah, so maybe I'm not at the end in that I'm I'm done and I'm done. But I I just for me for me it feels quite empowering to know that the time of my life where I was going to be mean to myself is over and I will not allow that back. And even if I have those fleeting thoughts, I'm like, no, we we don't do that. That's done. That's done. Life's too short. We're not, you know, we've we've kind of we've moved on. And so I guess that's what I mean. And I, for me, it feels quite empowering to know that it's over. Yeah, I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the the biggest learning on the journey is that it's okay to still have the thoughts, but it's actually way more empowering to know how to crush them quickly. Like I I know exactly what you mean about catching the thought really early and just being like, no, we don't say that. Like I don't talk to myself like that. I think particularly yeah. for me, it's it's my internal narrative. It's like the the thoughts that can you know how we speak to ourselves internally is really important. And mine can sometimes veer into the negative side. Like I, I you know I, I can't always mm-hmm. control it in a way. But what I've learned is to to question those thoughts, to crush them really quickly, to be like you know, that's not, that's not fact. That's a thought and it's, and it's, you know, valid, but it's also not true and you can crush it very quickly. And I think that's a really empowering, empowering way to look at it. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. On the motherhood aspect, like I, I haven't had a child yet, so I cannot speak from experience, but I do recognize that I think particularly if I'm coming at it from a fitness industry perspective, it's a moment where um, both social media advertising and kind of the general media itself really preys on a woman when she's in her most vulnerable state, you know, post-birth, feeling completely disassociated, I guess, from the body that she once had. Um, and I wondered how you kind of navigated that journey because I, I see so much that is targeted at new mums and um, this whole idea of the bounce back and the, the speed at which people kind of get back into clothes. And I think it's exacerbated by uh, the fact that we have insight into thousands and thousands of mothers now versus maybe just you know being able to engage with our social group back in the day so I just wondered how you found that and you know particularly in the world of social media being exposed to 
other mothers who might have had you know had babies at a similar time to you and their journeys and kind of it just must be such a head fuck so I love to hear like how you found it it is a massive head fuck because in the immediate I was really surprised right in the immediate aftermath when she was born because I was like I had a cesarean which isn't what I wanted necessarily but whatever but aside from that I had a really positive experience and I mean it's like kind of brutal and extraordinary but overwhelmingly really positive for me and I was so in awe of my body those early days I was like holy shit like look what I did this is mad like it's like there's a human and I still look at her now and I'm like whoa like you grew inside me like what the hell like I don't I can't like I can't I can't make a cake and I've made a baby like I've made eyeballs and like she can see out of them and like it's just so weird I had this like massive sense of awe and wonderment for myself and you know your bump doesn't go anywhere no one tells you that but like the you know I still looked pregnant for a fair while and those first few weeks I just didn't care I just having a baby in February was stunning I just wore jumpers and leggings and I didn't have to I I did look at myself actually because I I was fascinated to watch the process really of like watching yourself shrink and your uterus going back to normal and not even normal but you know shrinking back down and like I, I, those early days, I really did look at it without any societal shit in my ear. I was just looking at this thing like, oh my God, this is objectively the coolest thing I've ever seen. But then I guess, and interestingly, I think it's probably not a coincidence that I wasn't online during that time. Um, I did like six weeks off, four weeks off, can't remember, I did a few weeks off. And I think that probably counts for something. Maybe after the, the initial wonderment passes and, you know, you need to start getting your shit back together again. You need, you know, like your partner goes back to work and you've, you've got, you know, the bubble bursts a bit and you've just got to be like, okay, and this is life now. And like, I need to move on. And like a massive part of my life was exercise. And I think getting back into that was really interesting because before I had Arlo, I was not like, I did ultra marathons. I did marathons. Like I was very, and I don't think I realized how fit I was until, and I didn't realize how small I was either. I, you know, had some weird lens on when I looked at myself. Cause in my head, I was always like, Oh, I'm quite curvy. And then I look back now, I'm like, you're a twig, <laughs> but okay. Um, so I think that was quite interesting. Like, and I, did, I haven't tried to get back into my old clothes and I think only an idiot would try, but I, well, at this point anyway, but I, um, I did at the at the beginning there, you know, beginning of getting back to normal. I did start to struggle a little bit, and it's, it is inevitable. And my friend had a baby two days after me. She's a naturally very slim person, and I did instinctively. I was looking at her, being like, "Oh my god, like she's she's lost weight so much faster than me." And it's like, okay, good for her, <laughs> good for her, good for her. And that's not I don't that's not my that's not my thing. And and then but then you know the more exposed you are to that sort of thing, you know, that's the one person in my real life, and I think that is a good thing about having a baby in a way is well for me I, I didn't do any NCT groups I imagine actually if you do NCT and that sort of thing and you are surrounded by other mothers and you do instinctively compare yourself but then you know I now follow women online who've had babies really recently and some of them have just just looked like they didn't have them and it is crazy from you know but I, I it's what I was saying before I can't look at them and think oh it's so easy for you or oh it's so you know none of those thoughts are positive and it's not I know that it's hard. I know that this stage of my life is the hardest, best, but hardest. So I'm really careful when I look at other people to not project any negativity on them because they are also going through the hardest time of their lives. 
and they're doing it how they know how to do it and how they've got capacity for and that's great like that's great it's just not and I'm doing I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm doing my best and I feel really good for having started exercising again but if I, I I'm breastfeeding I'm exclusively breastfeeding my baby I can't I can't restrict food I can't curb all the calories I can't go for hours on a treadmill because I need to keep my baby alive so you know it's at that moment I really focus on the priority and it's like do I want a healthy baby that's yes (laughs) yes I do so what can I do to to facilitate that and it's eat well and look after myself and in turn I'm looking after her so I think it's yeah catching those moments when you're looking at other people which you inevitably do and comparing yourself to other people also you know there, there are women like in the fitness industry who've just had babies who trained throughout you know they stopped at 36 weeks had the kid and they were back at six weeks that wasn't me I didn't train throughout my pregnancy because I had HG then I had a cesarean so I didn't get back to it until 12 weeks and even then it was only Pilates and it, I didn't get back to lifting weights until 20 weeks of course I looked I need to be realistic and I think we're marketed so much stuff about how easy and bounce back and hop back into the gym and eat this shit or whatever it is. But it, you, you know, you need to look at the whole picture. And my whole picture is definitely indicating that I'm on a very slow journey here, and that's okay. And and just be kind to myself. I I completely relate to all of that. And the, I think the other thing that's really important to remember is we're kind of and like even as a non mother, you know, I'm I do believe that we're sold this idea that you can control everything that everything's just controllable. If only you just exercise, everything will be fine. And if only you can just, and it's like having a baby disarms you of all control. And I know that I'm not even a mother and I know that. So it's, it's actually selling this idea that, that things can be within your control. And if only you were, and actually this is a wider conversation around, I think actually food, exercise, everything. Like we're told that if only we're disciplined enough, things are going to be fine. You know, you can manage and control everything. And we're selling people a lie. It's not true. True. Life is not like that. I cannot, in, in even in my best of weeks, be a hundred percent disciplined with my life because that's not reality for me. Some days I have to work late. Yeah, and why would you want that? You know, discipline exactly. is such a negative thing, and mm. I really don't like that. That's how we're taught to think about exercise and to think mm-hmm. about. Ultimately, they're selling us the best for ourselves. Right? That's what they're saying. They're saying this is the you're going to be the best version of you, but you have to be disciplined, and it's like. But discipline is what you give to a kid when they're being bad. You're an adult. You don't need to be disciplined. Like what you need is night, you know, what anything in order to survive. If you're looking at anything in nature, you don't discipline it. You love it and it will thrive. You treat it well and it will thrive. You feed it well, you hydrate it well, and it will thrive. If you don't do that, you don't thrive. And I I haven't worked out what kind of parent I'm going to be yet, but the idea of daily discipline (laughs) sounds awful so why would I do that to myself yet occasionally maybe you know you need you need a a talking to but I don't believe it's conducive to a happy life to live with such discipline and it's actually crazy that we talk like that and you know so I've just trained for my first half marathon to have a baby it's this Sunday and the I guess theoretically you need discipline, right, to do this. But the, my whole attitude towards training for this has been so different because you can't 
you're so vulnerable after you have a baby. If someone tried to discipline me, I think I'd just die. I think I'd just like crumble. I'm too tired. I don't want to be disciplined. I want people to be nice to me. So I need to be nice to me. So the training has looked not very disciplined. The the trainings look exactly how I needed it to, because that's all I had to give. But I think you're right. This idea of discipline, it's so brutal. And it's just like, when's, when's the reward then? Because if you, because what they're selling us is that we need to have discipline throughout our lives in order to be happy. But I just think that's an oxymoron. I just don't think that makes sense. It's just, it's a horrible way. Discipline. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the word. It sets people up for a fall as well. And I I actually just wrote about this, you know, I think just yesterday in a post online that when we tell people that they can have perfection, that, you know, a a perfect exercise week looks like X, a perfect diet looks like Y, we are instantly setting people up to fail because no one like, or very, very few people can stick to that way of being, you know, I just think that we're, we're selling people this false dichotomy of kind of, you can, you can have, um, you know, complete discipline and perfection with health and fitness and everything. If only you stick to these very small set of parameters. And it's like, it's just a con. And, you know, in my own experience, I absolutely tried to strive for this idea of a perfect diet. But, you know, if I now look at a week of mine, there'll be like, uh, tonight I'm going out for dinner with friends. So do I want to be quote unquote disciplined? Fuck no. I want to go and have fun with my friends and enjoy myself. Do I, does that mean that tomorrow morning I'm going to get up early and go to the gym? Fuck no, because I've gone out and had fun with my friends. Does that mean that on Friday though, when I'm really feeling it and I've got energy and I'm going to go to the gym? Yes, like that is reality. That is life. That is a sustainable way of approaching health and fitness that includes the ability to have a life outside of being ruled by and controlled by this strict set of parameters that are, if you do this, this, and this, that makes you like, you know, health and fitness extraordinaire. And I just think that it, like, like I said at the start, it really sets people up to fail and failure makes people feel terrible about themselves and sells them back into the beginning of the cycle, which is I can't stick to this. I need help. They go to someone you know, different. Like I cannot tell you in my lifetime how many people I've gone to and been like, oh, if only this person could help me. Or maybe if I try this person, that will help me. Maybe if I sign up to this exercise program, I'm talking like back in the day, but it was mm-hmm. always that I felt that I was doing something wrong. There was something wrong yeah. with me. Why can't I stick to it? Clearly I am doing something wrong. I haven't met the right person who's helping me to get to where I want to get to. And I just realize now how crazy it must have been that I couldn't see that it was nobody around me um, that was, you know, kind of helping me or would help me. I needed to help myself realize that there is no such thing as, you know, this idea of kind of being able to achieve perfection with with health and fitness. I, ju- I just, I, I really, it's one of my big things. It's what we were saying before. It's like the whole thing is rigged. It's what we were saying at the beginning about, you know, the way, the reason that we all want to look a certain way. It's like it. If diets worked, there wouldn't be 50,000 of them and you wouldn't have had to do more than one. It, like, it, it doesn't work. And I think it's really easy for people to jump to be like, oh, well, if you're promoting all of this and you can't possibly like exercise and you, you know, whatever. And there's a sort of very binary way that we look at it. But actually, if you look at exercise and, and what it does for you, it creates endorphins. It's a, such a gift. It's such a lovely thing. And for me, like particularly coming back to it postpartum, having not had it for like all this time, I missed, you missed that like, yay. And 
I wish I'd known that the yay was an option. Like I used to go and I got home from work and just run in the dark because I was too scared for anyone to see me round this, round, round my flat. Oh God, it was horrible. There was a pub on the corner and I, I always crossed the road. Like I was so miserable. It was so miserable. I dreaded it. I dreaded doing it. I hated, I hated doing it. I hated how I felt afterwards. Everything was just drenched in misery. And now I do exercise that I love. Like I get giddy. I'm like, Woo-hoo, I get to go and do this thing that's going to make me feel really good. And like, what a treat and how amazing. And like, we don't get given that. We don't get told that. We don't get ever. It's, it's such a shame because actually gyms would have so many more people through their doors. If they were like, don't stress how you look, you're just going to have a hoot. Like we are here for a hoot. And I also think that like, just from my perspective, I've been in the fitness industry for 10 years now. I think the other thing that I always have to remind people of, and I, I especially remember this, like with clients on the gym floor and stuff, I'd really get this, like, you don't have to be good like I think a lot of people they sort no. of get, do you know what I mean like there, there's I'm this idea terrible. that like unless you are really good at something like you're not doing it right or you're not successful at it or you're not you know able to enjoy it and I think I always used to say to people like I was a beginner once I was terrible at so many things and actually like I've had yeah. to really drop my ego on a lot of ways of exercising like running for me is is my nemesis I am not good at it I actually don't enjoy it that much like I do sometimes the odd day with the sun shining and I you know have a good run fine I can feel amazing afterwards but a lot of the time I find it really fucking hard and um, I think that I have to really drop my ego when it comes to exercise and just be like I don't have to be the best at this I don't even have to be good at it even if I run to the end no. of my road and back I've done something and that's okay. Do you know what I mean? But I think that's the other thing. And again, push back on like, why do you feel like you need to be really good at something? And like, mm. why do you, why do you feel like you need to look a certain way before you exercise? It's because someone will have wanted to sell you something. Someone probably wants to sell you some gym clothes at some point. Like, and they want you to look good in the clothes and the models are good in the clothes. So you think, well, I, if I'm going to do what she's doing, then I need to look how she looks. And you know, we, we are sold this, like you say, this idea that like, don't do it unless you're already good at it. And it's like, well, that's a bit fucking stupid because like, I'm not good at anything, naturally. I'm not a sporty kid at all. And obviously school does not really support kids that aren't naturally good at stuff. And like, I definitely didn't thrive there. But I think, yeah, this is the biggest thing with the hags. Like it, the inspiration for it is the fact that my mom, well, my mom did her first Ironman aged 50 and she did... 10 over the, sub, the next 10 years and she retired from it at 60 she was never going to win an Ironman she was 50 when she started you know she, her body was tired she'd had three children and a life on the sofa with cigarettes and alcohol like she you know she was not starting off from from where where we're sold this idea that you have to start off from and she just had a go and she actually completely changed her life and has just had the most amazing decade ever. And I'm so proud of her and she's so cool. But she was a really good thing for me to, you know, she was 18. I was 18 when she did, when she did her first one. And it was really cool for me to look at my mom change her life. But it also taught me a lot about what exercise looks like because we don't see older women in this space. We don't see overweight women in this space. We don't see, anything other than this one very specific type of quote-unquote athlete and watching her do stuff was just so cool and then I did my first marathon in 2019 inspired by her and it was really weird because I was doing all this running and I kept thinking oh I'm really shit at this and I'm really shit at this and I was like but 
just run 18 miles. Why do I still feel like I'm shit at this? And I had this penny drop moment where I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, I'm just, I still have fat rolls. But how? How? And I couldn't make it make sense in my head that I'd run 18 miles and I didn't look like what I thought a runner was looking like. And I realized I, I didn't let myself think I was good at it because I didn't think I looked like I was supposed to. And I honestly, it was like this moment. I was like, oh my God, like I'm just, I'm good at it now. <laughs> like what? And it was so huge for me. Like it took seeing it to be like, oh, I, I, don't, need, I don't need to wait until I look a certain way. I can just do it now. And I did that first marathon and I still had curves and I did the second one and I still had curves and I did that and I still looked the same. And I remember taking a photo of my body after doing a triathlon, my first triathlon, and I uploaded it. Like, that's a triathlete, baby. Like, there's, those, those fat rolls belong to a triathlete. And that's cool. That's fine. That's normal. And it's like, it's so good then because you realize that you don't need to wait until you lose weight before you sign up or before you try or before you have a go. You're just going to have a go now and you're going to see where it takes you. It's so freeing. That is so special. And actually what I would say is it really reminds me before I wrap up of of my, um, you know, I go and watch the London Marathon almost every year I've gone. And I think that's always a really good example of just seeing such a diverse range of people all doing the same thing, but in all of, in a myriad of different ways, you know, not everyone's at the front sprinting. Some people are walking, some people are laughing and having fun. Some people are dressed up in silly costumes. Like it brings the fun into what is obviously a really challenging event, but the different body shapes and sizes of everyone that's doing it and their different ways that they get across the line, I think is, is genuinely a testament to the fact that we need to make exercise that just that inclusive accessible and seeing people like you doing the things that you want to do like we cannot be what we cannot see it's my favorite phrase I use it a lot but really when it comes to exercise we we make such a we 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 have such a niche um you know body of people that we we think are the people that that should and could exercise and actually everyone can should um feel comfortable to exercise in whatever space they choose to. And actually it's it's our job, both of us in in the space that we work in to make that happen and make that a reality for people. And I think that, you know, you're doing such an amazing job with that. And so it's been such a great chat and just really like, as I said at the start, I, I so love what you do. I think you are such a beacon of um, positivity, relatability, you know, all of that. And I, yeah, I'm so grateful for you coming on today. Well, well, thank you. I love following you. I've followed you for so, so long and I love your attitude and I love your honesty. And I think it's, don't underestimate like the value of, of you saying what you do, you know, the long captions and stuff like, yeah, maybe the Instagram's trying to move on from them, but like I for one still really I'm still clinging on because I think it's, but it's, it's so important, Alice. I, I think I said this to you as well when we recorded our pod, like, there there was a time where I would have looked up to you and, and completely pictured everything in your life as being a certain thing. And I would have used that as a stick to beat myself with. And I think what you're doing by being honest to all the people that follow you is saying, is sharing your truth and it, and it, and it just stops them. It stops them from comparing themselves to you because it, it makes, it's such a more honest and kind space. And I just, I don't think you should underestimate like the power that that has because it does change the industry and it, in turn is going to change so many lives. And I think you're amazing and I'm really proud of you. So, Oh, thank thanks. you, Em. Oh my God, you're so lovely. I always feel like I finish my episodes at the moment just like gushing over my guests, but it's because I have the best guests. <laughs> I, I just want to speak to the people you're that I love. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, it would be weird. Imagine getting to the end, like they were awful. <laughs> yeah, who the hell was that? Em, thank you so much. It's been a joy of an episode, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, my love. You too. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode i would love it if you could take some time to rate review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it we have a new episode dropping every week so it'll ensure that you don't miss out and one really exciting new feature is that i would love to solve your problems our podcast is centered around giving people strength and resilience and so if you have a question a problem or anything else you can send a message or a voice note to gms at insanityhq.com that's gms at insanityhq.com and me and my guest will spend a little bit of time at the end of every podcast answering your questions see you next time insanity group